Blog Talk Radio. And we're back for another episode, and we're going to do another mini workshop this week. I get a lot of questions about hiring as a coach and do quite a bit of work with my clients around getting the right people in their organization and carving out the right roles and responsibilities, which is really where it all starts. So I hope you'll stick around and listen. We're going to talk about a lot of things around the people part of your business, which is critical. And uh, we're going to start off with a brief, just sort of set the stage introduction. And basically, it's like this. Hiring is an extremely critical part of your business. It's also very time-consuming and very expensive, especially if you make a mistake. And the expense is in more than just dollars and cents. It's in time. It's in reputation. It can be with relationships with current employees. There's just a lot that is involved in making a good hiring decision. And I find that entrepreneurs and small business owners typically don't hire very often. And the result of that is that they don't have the skills they need to really do the job right. When they do hire, we know you have to get it right. It um, isn't something you can just take a chance with for all the reasons I've already stated. So the mistakes that can come out of that are really costly. And like any skill, hiring is something that needs to be learned and it needs to be practiced. And as small business owners, we typically don't get enough practice to perfect our hiring skills. And I find that of the people that I work with, uh, really don't give it the due diligence they need. Uh, They don't think through the processes. They they aren't prepared when the new employee shows up. They haven't prepared their employees for it. Uh, So there's just a lot to talk about around this. So I'm going to try and help you gain some insight into the skill of hiring today and to help you develop some strategies for hiring and perhaps learn some tools that you can use to um, choose the right candidate, get the right uh, pool of applicants, first of all, and then choose the right candidate. And whether you're hiring an employee, full-time or part-time, whether you're looking to engage the work of a virtual assistant or an online business manager or hire an outsourcing partner for some uh, part of your business, the formula here is really all the same. So we want to... um, really focus on all the things we're going to talk about here, regardless of the type of hiring that you're going to do. So without further ado, there are basically three critical things that you need to know about every applicant. So let's start there. You need to know what they know. That one's pretty obvious. You need to know what they can do. But most importantly, you need to know how they will fit into your business. And that is critical. So let's start with the skills piece of it. What skills do they possess? 
The first problem I usually see is that this is not thought out ahead of time. When somebody, to think about hiring a new employee, it's usually because there's some stress that has surfaced in the organization and they're really feeling the pinch. Things aren't getting done um, or they've grown to the point where they need more people. But to say that you just need an administrative assistant or another customer service rep really doesn't go deep enough. You really need to understand what you're looking for. You're more likely to find it if you actually pinpoint what you're looking for before you start looking. And I know that sounds almost almost too intuitive, but I'm always amazed at the small business owners who just, you know, say, hey, I need an administrative assistant. They place an ad based on the title. They uh, don't get the right people to apply because they haven't really specified in that ad what they're looking for and what the person will be doing. And then when the new employee arrives, they're sitting there um, not knowing what to do. The organization already is stressed. So taking the time out to train them can be problematic. And typically either the employee becomes unhappy and doesn't stay or the organization becomes frustrated and it's just not the the right way to start things off. So it's important to understand what skills are needed to fill the position. And we're going to back up from there a bit and talk about how you determine that. It's really all around the roles and responsibilities that you want this individual to take on. So it's about carving out a list of tasks that they need to accomplish in this job description and kind of packaging them up into the job description. Now, it may be some tasks from this person over here who's getting uh, stressed out, has too much on their plate. It may be um, a few tasks from a lot of different people, but it needs to be packaged up into a role that can be defined and where you can point to what success would look like and where you can state in unequivocal terms what skills are needed to succeed in filling those roles and responsibilities. The second piece to look at is what skills might be valuable in other areas of your firm or in the future of your firm. If you're hiring someone and you have a sense of where you're going in the future, you can look at them in a way that is futuristic, meaning you can see what kinds of experiences they've had, what kind of work opportunities they've had that might assist you in growing and building your firm. This is something very few people think about. But when it comes down to selecting one candidate over another, this is often a really good tiebreaker, if you will, by looking at somebody who has some things that might benefit your organization in the future and could help to along in a, you know, systemized or a, um, you know, experienced kind of way because they've actually done it before somewhere else. And finally, when you look at skills, you want to make sure there's evidence to actually use these skills. And we'll talk a little bit more about how you can get at that in just a minute, but anybody can say anything. But the fact is, there needs to be some proof that they've actually done this and done it successfully. 
we all have a lot of knowledge about things, and I might know how to do a press release, but if I have never done one that reaped the rewards of a lot of press, then do I really have the proficiency in that skill that's needed? So you need to look for evidence. Beyond skills, we want to look at what experience or knowledge they have. Now, I'll just say up front that I feel that knowledge is a little less important than fit Um, because if someone is willing, able, you know, has the propensity to learn and they don't have all the knowledge you need going into um, a new role, you can train them. But if they're not a good fit or they don't have the basic skills, it's hard to train them on those things. And you can't train on fit. Either they're going to fit or they don't. So although it's important to understand that they have the right knowledge and experience, I wouldn't let that be a deal breaker in the event that they don't have exactly what you need. And what I find is that a lot of people that hire are looking for that skills or rather for that knowledge and experience. And, you know, that kind of trumps everything else. And I think that's really backwards. So where do we find the information about their knowledge and their experience and their skills? Obviously, you have two pieces of information to work with when you have someone who applies for a position in your firm. You have some sort of a resume, be it online or um, a paper copy. And you also have some uh, communication with them in the form of a cover letter or an email or something of that nature that describes um, a little bit about, you know, what they're doing and kind of introduces themselves and their their resume. (laughs) So on the resume, you can obviously see their uh, knowledge because there usually is an education section where they put things in about what they've done and what degrees they have or what uh, certifications or classes they've taken. So that one's pretty easy, although you will find that people uh, will omit certain things on the resume because they feel that it's not really um, of value or perhaps not relevant. And typically the things that don't appear are things they've done around volunteer work And you can gain some really great skills doing volunteer work. You can have some excellent mentoring relationships where you've partnered up or mentored with people while doing volunteer work that has really uh, given you some skills you might not have the access to practice in other venues. The other thing that typically won't appear on a resume, or at least not a lot of it, uh, is your uh, candidates association Uh, and club memberships. Again, another opportunity where they can, if active, gain a lot of skills and experience uh, as a a member or an involved member in any of these associations or or clubs that they may uh, work with. Also, acquiring skills and experience via hobbies and other interests is a place that you can ask about that won't appear on the resume. And finally, They may have taken a number of classes that aren't specifically related to work, so they haven't thought to include those in the education section. And all those are, you know, good candidates for interview questions, and we're going to talk a lot about interview questions 
when we get further along in the discussion. So the experience part of what they do is evidenced by the statements made on the resume under each position that they've held. So typically you'll find the standard resume will have a position where they work, the name of the firm, and underneath that will be some number of bullets where you find their experience. But unfortunately, many of the resumes that people send in, um, they don't make the most of that experience area by giving uh, quantifiable evidence of how they did these things. So if they said they um, put a uh, project in place that increased sales in their organization, great, but by how much and in how what period of time. Those quantifiable things are the important evidence. So again, this is a real good area to structure some of your interview questions around so that you can get that evidence or explore it further if it's not you know, pointed out in the way you need it to be or in the sufficient detail to give you that, um, you know, understanding of what they're really capable of. The final thing that we're going to talk about in terms of the three critical things you need is the fit, which is really a demonstration of their personality traits. How are they going to fit into your firm? How well are they going to work with you? How well are they going to work with your employees? And how are your customers going to like them? If they're going to get along with others in your firm, that's key. If they're not and they're an abrasive source or somebody who's not fun to work with, it can really disrupt the flow of everything in your entire organization. I've even seen cases where it has caused a client to lose individual customers because they had somebody in their organization who just wasn't suitable for the job they were in. I personally once worked in a firm where I was uh, the managing uh, supervisor of the department, and it was a customer service unit. We were on the phone all day and greeting customers that walked into the business. And there was one representative who just wasn't nice. There's just no other way to put it. And I finally had to speak to her about it. And I said to her, you know, I think you know why I'm calling you into my office today. And she said, yeah. And I said, well, I need you to be nice to the customers. That's part of your job. Can you be nice? And she actually looked at me and she said, I don't think so. No, I, I can't. So she left me no choice to fire her because she just didn't have what we needed. Very nice person, very personable, got along great with all the employees but she had little patience for customer service issues. She wasn't a good problem solver, and she just wasn't the right fit for the job. But it's difficult to, based on a couple of pieces of paper and you know a couple of interviews, determine whether the person is going to be a good fit or not. I have some tools we're going to talk about in a minute that will hopefully help you um, assess the fit. But before we get to that, we're going to take a short commercial break. And when we, we return, we're going to start talking about some of the tools you can use to gain the most insight when you review an application, a resume, an email, a cover letter, and any of the other things you might have. So we'll be right back. 
Are you a small business owner with a big vision? Does every day require too much of your personal involvement to take the next step? At Simple Small Business Solutions, we offer consulting and coaching to align your business reality with your vision for the future. Simple Small Business Solutions can help you put the pieces in place to get there. Clear your plate, reclaim your time, get the freedom and flexibility you need to achieve your next success. Contact us at simplesmallbusinesssolutions.com. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. One of my mottos for business owners is, you can't do it alone. Whether you're in the startup stage of your business or you're scaling, you can't grow without relationships to provide support, wisdom, and new customers. eWomen Network is your home to connect with other women entrepreneurs who have been where you are or are experiencing the same challenges. We have chapters across the U.S. and Canada that have monthly events featuring our trademarked process called Accelerated Networking to ensure you get the contacts, resources, and leads you need to grow your business. And once you become a member, you get many benefits, including two one-on-one coaching sessions, unlimited access to our membership database, your own personal profile page, and discounts on products and services with our business partners, such as UPS and American Express Open. Join the eWomen Network community and let us help you live your dream. For details, visit eWomenNetwork.com. Welcome back to When Opportunity Knocks. Today we're talking about how to hire the right person for any position. And uh, we talked a little bit about what to look for, the three critical things that you need to know about every applicant, skills, their experience and knowledge, and finally, how they're going to fit in. And now in this segment, we're going to talk in more detail about some tools that you can use to really help when you are reviewing the application and the resume and the email and cover letter to decide whether or not you want to go forward with this candidate. So the first tool I'd like to introduce you to is using grammar as a tool. And when I mean when I say grammar, I'm not talking about correct grammar, although that's a good indication of how well they write, but I'm talking about the words that they choose. Words that you choose are a direct relationship, have a direct relationship with the thoughts that you have. So looking at the words they choose with a critical eye can be a real good indicator of some of the thoughts. There are nouns that indicate knowledge and experience. And depending on what they choose there, it may give you some insight into whether they're junior or senior. Verbs also can be used to demonstrate strong skills. Any skills that are uh, represented by a verb are typically skills that they're going to feel like they're strong in. And adjectives give us a glimpse into personality and fit because they're the words that they use to describe the things they've done. And put that all together and you're really able to hear their voice in the written word. You know, you can gain a lot from that. You can tell whether they're casual or formal, whether they're friendly, professional, wordy, or to the point, whether they're flowery in their language or really succinct. You can even tell whether they have a big ego or not, whether they're somebody that is customer-focused and really looking to help others, or whether they're just so 
you know, self-centered that maybe they wouldn't be a good fit for certain customer service positions. When I think about hiring and assessing fit, I really think it's a lot like dating. And anybody that's ever gone through the dating process knows it's, you know, very difficult to tell from a couple of dates whether this is a quality person that you want to spend more time with. Anybody can look really, you know, great the first few dates or the first few months even. You know that stage when you meet somebody and you fall head over heels and they just, you know, walk on water. They can't do anything wrong. Where have they been all my life? Uh, and then, you know, a few months into the relationship when uh, you're kind of coming down off the cloud nine that you're on, you can start to see maybe a few things that aren't mm, as good as you thought they were. Or maybe there's some things about this person that are showing up that you don't particularly like. Maybe some values that you see that don't match with yours. But it takes some time to get there. It's not something that you can uh, really ascertain in the first meeting or even the second or the third. And that's why I feel like hiring is kind of like dating. Because ultimately, after you bring a new employee on board, they're going to show you some things after the first three or six months that weren't present prior to that. Hopefully, they'll be good things. But there's always the chance that there might be something they're showing you that isn't exactly what you bargained for. So there's a couple of tools that can help you with this. Uh, one of them is personality tests, and there are a lot of tools out there that help you with hiring that are uh, of the personality test variety. They're good, and I use them, but caution you to use them carefully. They should never ever be the sole basis for a hiring decision. And they shouldn't be used to compartmentalize people. They can be used to validate what you're already thinking and to maybe maybe get a little deeper insight, but it should only be one of the things you use in your decision-making process. Don't use it as a sole basis for your decision. I've seen entrepreneurs do that, and frankly, it's just plain wrong. The second thing is allowing your employees or colleagues to help you with the interview process and give you feedback about their impression of the person and what they felt, uh, what questions they asked. This is very helpful. Again, one word of caution here, group interviews are just awful. So don't put a candidate in a room with more than one employee and have them you know, be firing questions. That's a very intimidating and unfriendly environment. Make sure if you let your employees do any of the interviewing that it's friendly, one-on-one, -on -one, conversational, and helps to make the candidate feel at ease. Because two things are going to happen when you do that. It's going to be a much better conversation. You're going to get more out of it. And your employee will get a better feel for what this person is really like. You want to put them in a situation where their guard is down and you're really seeing the real candidate not put them in a situation where their guard's going to go up or they're going to be overly nervous or something where they're not going to be in a position to show their best side. And finally, ask the applicant how they thought it went. Get their feedback. That's a critical piece because make no mistake, even though you're interviewing them for a job, they are also interviewing you 
to. They want to know whether this is a place where they want to work. So it's important that you take a look at it from their perspective. Now, one of the um, real difficult things I think that people struggle with is what do you ask in an interview? So we're going to talk a little bit now about the whole idea of interviewing. So what is a good hiring process? We've talked a little bit about how you can use the tools that come in after you place an ad and how you really need to carve out the right roles and responsibilities in order to place your ad and get something that's going to attract the right people. But what's the process you should use to do your hiring? And here's what I would suggest. Once you find a pool of candidates and you've picked out a couple that really look good, then the next step, I think, is to place a telephone call to them and set up a time to do a telephone interview. It's easy, it's inexpensive, it can be done quickly, and you're not wasting a lot of time if the person doesn't turn out to be a good candidate. You can tell a lot by a person's voice over the phone. You can tell whether they're friendly, whether they're knowledgeable. You can ask them some really good, solid interview questions, see how they answer it. So call them up, schedule a time to set aside maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes top for a telephone interview and formulate the same good questions we're going to talk about later in the program to ask them in the telephone interview part of your process. Now, if they pass muster there and it's somebody you think you'd like to bring in, then invite them in for an interview. And when you invite them in, that's when you can, you know, pose even deeper questions. You can assess um, them based on their body language. You can have some of your other employees talk to them. But never, ever, ever make a decision to hire them based on the first interview. Always call them back for a second interview, assuming that you're interested in them. Because by doing that, two things will happen. You'll get another glimpse of them. And it'll be a glimpse where they feel more relaxed. Being called back for a second interview is usually a good indication that there's interest on your part, which hopefully there is. And that presents itself in a candidate that comes with a little bit more confidence, a little bit more re- sort of relief that, you know, they're, they've gotten this far in the process. They're going to be more relaxed, more enthusiastic, more open, and you're going to get even more information. So if you're interested in the person, I always recommend at least two interviews. Now, if you're in a business where uh, there's some level of technical expertise needed, uh, some IT positions or in some healthcare areas, or uh, there's a variety of different areas, it's a good idea to have some sort of a test you can give them that tests their basic skills and knowledge. And it can be something as simple as a multiple choice test that you create yourself or a a problem, a business problem case study style that they have to attack and uh, write a little answer to. It can be um, a typing test. It can be, you know, a variety of different things to, to help you get some more data to make your decision with. The other thing you can do is to give them an actual assignment and do something Um, I call a try before you buy, meaning let's really test this person out. We've interviewed them a few times. Our employees like them. We think they're a really strong candidate. 
let's give them an assignment. Let's give them something to do that is integral to our business, but give them an assignment, pay them to do it, pay them an hourly rate or what have you, and let them go at it, see how they attack it, see what they come back with. This is a huge opportunity for you to really assess how they're going to fit into your organization. What questions do they ask? And you can set this up in a number of ways so that they're maybe working hand-in-hand with one of your other employees. And you'll get a lot of great insight into how they will be to work with and how they will be working on tasks you give them. So this is something you really can consider doing as another way to gain some solid information about the individual. So next, I'd like to um, move on to interview questions. So let's take another short break, and then we'll come back and talk about an interview. We'll be right back. I'm looking for a certain kind of woman, and I think you know her. She's an entrepreneur that is highly connected, successful, significant in her own industry, and considered the go-to woman in her community. She's received so much from so many women in business, she's ready to give back to others on their journey, lifting as she climbs. Hi, this is Sandra Yancey, and I'm the founder and CEO of eWomen Network. I'm looking to connect with the woman I've just described who lives in your community so that we might have a conversation about how eWomen Network's proven success system can provide her a platform to elevate her success and ability to support women in business. Our international community of managing directors are influencing the speed of success for women in business around the world. If that sounds like something that you want to be part of or know someone we should talk with, send an email to managingdirector at eWomenNetwork.com. That's managingdirector at eWomenNetwork.com. And let's start the conversation. Does your business need to make more money? Do you need more customers? Are you afraid of the 800-pound telephone? If you answered yes, then you need Ann Barham. Ann helps clients discover the art of clear messaging to sell their products and services. Once you know what to say and how to say it, your confidence will grow into magnetism that draws customers to you and fills your pipeline through personal referral business. For a free 30-minute assessment, go to www.annbarab.com. Dot com. That's A-N-N-E-B-A-R-A-B dot com. Okay, we're back, and we're going to talk about how to create good interview questions that really get at what you need to know. And we've hinted about this a little bit, but we're going to continue that discussion. So you'll recall from earlier that you want to focus on learning three things about your candidates. You want to learn what skills they have. You want to learn about their experience and their knowledge. And you want to learn about their personality. Are they going to be a good fit? So the first rule is to keep your questions open-ended because that encourages the applicant to talk. If you ask yes-no questions or close-ended questions where they can give a small, short, fast answer, If they're a shy person or they're more introverted, you may not get the conversation rolling, and that is the goal. The more comfortable they feel, the more they're going to open up and the more they're going to tell you about themselves, both in real words and read-between-the-lines things, which we'll talk about in a minute. 
So use your questions to get that evidence that we talked about to confirm that they can really do what they say they can do, that they've had the experience that they say they've had, and that the experience is deep enough. They weren't just a member of a team that did something great, but they were an integral part of that team and really contributed to the process. And you can do this best thing for examples. Ask them to expand on something they put in their resume. Ask them to um, take a look at a specific situation and what did they like most about it? What did they learn most about it? What didn't they like about it? I like questions around what kind of manager they like to work with. Uh, How do you like to be managed? Because that tells you a lot about the person and how they're going to be to work with. Also ask questions about their outside interests and hobbies to learn a little bit more about them from a personal perspective. They're going to be working closely with you. You want to get to know them as a person. Now, caveat here, make sure all the interview questions that you ask are legal questions. Remember, you cannot ask about certain things. It's considered discriminatory. So you can't ask about age or uh, marital status or any religion or any of those points that you're just not legally allowed to talk about. But you can still ask them what their hobbies are. Find out from their extracurricular activities uh, what their family situation is. So there are ways to find out more about them without breaking the law. Because the purpose here is to get to know them. You really want to see if they're a person that you're going to enjoy working with to make sure that there's the right chemistry between them and your organization. So you do have to learn a little bit more about them personally. And hobbies and volunteer interests and uh, clubs they belong to are really good insights into them as a person. If they're uh, a volunteer and they do a lot of work in the community, that really tells you something about them and about their character. They're uh, somebody who volunteers their time to, uh, you know, help the elderly or, or uh, teach people to read or whatever they happen to do. How does that fit in with your organization? If your business is around the elderly, well, that, that just is a bonus for that candidate to have that, that interest because it is really in alignment with what you do as a business. So it's about getting to know them. That's how you're going to help to assess their fit. And remember, stay away from those areas that it's unlawful to ask about. And always check your federal and state laws before conducting any interviews, before even formulating any interview questions. Now, interview questions. Write them down. Do this ahead of time. Make sure you have some standard questions that you need to get answered from every candidate. And then look at everybody's resume and look for the areas where you want more evidence. Be prepared for the interview. Most entrepreneurs do not do this. They simply book the time to talk with the person and they wing it. And that is just creating a missed opportunity. You're just setting yourself up for failure when you do that. It's all about preparing and understanding what you want to know more about, what questions come to mind about this person, or what's interesting about their resume or their cover letter or their experience. What do you want to know more about? Really prepare for this. Write the questions down. And if you're going to have a session with your um, employees and they're going to be talking to the candidate, 
make sure that you get together as a group and talk about what you're going to ask so that you don't all ask the candidate the same question. Uh, That can be annoying for the candidate. But by the same token, if you ask similar questions around the same sort of thought, that can be a way to validate the candidate's answer. So it's really strategic to get together, decide what you want to know, decide what red flags or green flags popped up in that person's application and resume, and really formulate your strategy about how you want to talk to them. Let's talk about getting comfortable with the interview. It's, again, remember, a skill. You have to practice. I highly recommend role play within your own organization to kind of psych yourself up and prep yourself for the exchange. You want to keep it conversational, but you want to get what you need. And one of the problems that I see happen so often is that people that are not experienced interviewing talk too much. They don't give the candidate a chance to say anything. They're selling their position, their business, their you know, oh, come and work here. And I mean, you do have to do a little of that, but the bulk of your role is to ask thought-provoking questions and then listen, listen. So what's the problem with that? Most people are highly uncomfortable with a pause. Okay, I just paused. Were you uncomfortable? I bet you were hitting your computer or your device wondering, oh, did the sound go off or what's she going to say next? We do not like pauses. So that, that shows up two ways. When you pause and you give the candidate a chance to speak, that is when they may give you some piece of information that you otherwise would not have gotten because they will be uncomfortable with the pause too. It will make them nervous and they'll begin talking and you'll get more insight. Also, not everybody formulates their thoughts in a split second. By pausing, you give the candidate a fair opportunity to formulate their thoughts and begin answering your question in an intelligent way. Some people have to think before they speak, about 50% of the population. Some people speak before they think. That can be telling too. But either way, that pause is an important part of your skill set as an interviewer. And you can practice uh, role-playing very easily. If you don't feel comfortable doing it with someone else, everybody has video on their smartphone. Pull out the video Do a selfie video of yourself asking interview questions. Sit at your desk, prop up your phone or your iPad, start rolling the video, and just practice. Then stop it and play it back. Did you have a lot of weird hand gestures or facial expressions that you need to work on? Did you sound friendly and confident, or were you like the drill sergeant asking the questions? These are all really good ways for you to practice and become more at ease with the whole interviewing process. Remember that you're being interviewed as well as doing the interview, and the candidate is trying to determine if they would like to work with or for you. So you want to always put your best foot forward. Be friendly, be engaging, have the right body language, crossed arms indicate being closed off, Uh, chair indicates being 
more open, uh, trying to take up more than your allotted amount of space might appear to be intimidating or threatening, uh, certain hand gestures. You, you've got to really be aware of the words you choose and how your body is communicating. Because you could be saying something very open-ended and friendly, but if your body is in an aggressive position, the person is going to pick up on your energy long before they hear your words. So that's something to be aware of. Now, did you get the answers that you were going for? Make sure that when you ask the question, it was clear. If you didn't get the answer that you were going for, then ask a follow-up question. And those you're probably not going to have prepared ahead of time. Those are all in the listening. So if you're doing a good job of listening to your candidate, then you will be able to follow up with follow-up questions. And that helps to keep the whole thing much more conversational. Welcomes and introductions. It's a good way, it's a good thing to start the interview off with a friendly welcome. If you really like the candidate, maybe you're going to even offer them a cup of coffee or something of that nature. And start off with some small talk. Uh, you know, the latest thing in the news or sporting event in your town or something of that nature to just kind of break the ice, make the person feel at ease, and really give them the opportunity to relax a little bit. You need to make sure that you set the right expectation during the interview, that you want to be in a position where they're comfortable and they know that you're really interested in them. And it's at this point just an exploratory process to find out more about them. I highly recommend the practice because getting those interview questions prepared ahead of time and practicing them out loud on a video that you make and no one else has to see it but you will really help you hone your craft as an interviewer and be in a position to make your candidate feel comfortable, make yourself feel comfortable and confident, and be able to get at all the answers that you want to get at. Remember, you're looking to sort of feel them out, see what kind of a person they are, and to get that evidence based on what they put on the resume. Okay, we'll be right back. We're going to take another commercial break, and then we will wrap up with some thoughts on hiring. Are you tired of playing small in business or in your career? What could you accomplish if you were seen, heard, and given the opportunity? If you want more influence, more impact, and more income, join us at Women's Leadership U. That's the letter U. We are a mastermind program dedicated to preparing women for leadership roles. Learn the skills that employers are looking for and business owners need. Gain the confidence and know how to move your ideas into action. To learn more, visit us at womensleadershipu.com with a capital U. If operating your small business has you stressed, impacts your health, chips away at your relationship, and eats up all of your free time, Simple Small Business Solutions can help you implement business systems that make running your business easier. Whether you're trying to make more sales, struggling to get your marketing done, or want better information to manage your business, we can help. Visit us at simplesmallbusinesssolutions.com. Okay, we're back, and um, I'd like to wrap up this uh, session by talking a little bit more about assessing the needs. We brushed over that, but let's go back and talk about that a little bit more. 
When we talk about the details of what your uh, new hire is going to do and what they're going to have in front of them to teach them what to do, then we need to talk about reference and training materials. Because when a new employee comes on board, the worst thing that can happen is that it's a drain on your organization to train them. And they come in, and the first few days, they sit there basically with nothing to do, wondering if they made the right decision. So when you bring a new customer on board, you're going to make them feel welcome. You're going to send them a thank you packet. You're going to send them a thank you note or whatever your process is to get the ball rolling and get the the relationship set up right from the start. You need to do the same thing with new employees when they arrive. You want to make sure that ahead of time you've mapped out their first couple of days. Who are they going to sit with? What are you going to have them read? Do you have any training materials they can look at? Hopefully you do. If not, you probably should put them together. And who are the points of contact that are going to be responsible for checking in with them on you know, several occasions throughout the day to make sure they don't have any questions? Who's going to show them what everybody does for lunch? I mean, all those little things are what help to make uh, the employee feel welcome. You want to make sure that they're introduced around your organization. A key thing I see that happens, come on board. If you have a reasonably larger size organization, there may be somebody that comes on board in one department and the other departments have no clue that they're even here. So it's really nice to introduce the employee around, make them feel welcome, but also help to smooth the transition of adding new people into your organization by letting other employees be introduced to them. You can ruffle a lot of feathers by um, not introducing people. People feel bad when somebody new comes on board and they weren't even told about it. When it comes to helping them fit in, one of the obvious things that I see people make a mistake with is something as simple as where are they going to sit? That is, is a key issue for a couple of reasons. One, if they're right smack dab in the center of the action around what they're going to be hired to do, then they're going to come up to speed more quickly. But here's the part you have to be careful of. There is nothing that can upset your current employees faster than having a new employee get a location that's larger, has a better window, or is somehow deemed more esteemed than any of the locations where the current employees are sitting whether it's closer to you, an office instead of a cubicle, something with a bigger window. It may sound ridiculous, but trust me when I tell you that I have seen existing employees sabotage the success of a new employee, even pick on them in critical ways that made them feel bad about their work until they left because the new employee deemed them as a threat to their current situation. Don't underestimate this. Make sure you pave the way and make sure your employees are comfortable. Can just kill it. You will have wasted all of your time and money getting that person on board. You will start to build a bad reputation out in the marketplace as a place that's not friendly to work with or for, and it can really create major problems for you. So be very, very cognizant of that. Don't overlook that step. Now, when it comes to training materials, you are probably already equipped without even knowing it. If you don't have formal 
uh, materials, you're probably already equipped with some good tools because I'll bet all of your employees have notes, sheets, different little helpful hints and handy things that they use to uh, get them through the day. So what you want to do is have a meeting, call a meeting and ask your employees to sit down and write some quick how-tos and tips around any of the tasks that this new employee might be undertaking when they arrive. Even if they're cryptic, uh, step one, step two kinds of things, any kind of help like that will shorten the training and help the employee that's coming on board have reference material they can use to answer the questions that they're going to have because you're going to attack them probably with a fire hose of information to start out with, and they're not going to remember all of it. They do need that reference material. So having your employees create that seems like a little work up front, but it's really going to reduce the drain on the organization that's going to occur the minute that person walks in the door because no matter how skilled they are, no matter what experience they have, going to be a drain on the organization to bring them on board and up to speed. So anything that you can do in the middle of that process to minimize that is going to save you oodles of time later. And if there are standard procedures that you use a lot in your organization, you can start to build a knowledge base of information because as you have turnover, that information can't walk out the door with the people in your organization. One of the key things for small business owners is to write things down because if you have a key employee that moves on for whatever reason, positive or negative, if their knowledge walks out the door with them, then you're going to be in dire straits trying to recoup from that loss. And it's key to get those things written down ahead of time. So, you know, make it a a project every week. Have somebody focus on writing down, spend a half hour writing down one process that they do. And even if it's not completely fleshed out, you can do that later, but at least get all the tasks written down and some of the steps recorded so that you've got the basis for some good process documentation or standard operating procedure type documentation. I know those sound sound like big company things, but trust me, the more of that you have written down, the more consistent the treatment of your clients will be and the better off your organization will be today and the easier it will be able to scale and grow larger because you'll have the pieces in place that let you easily bring new resources on board. And that's key. So just to recap, most business owners realize they need help and they look for someone they know to work with. So without thinking through the skills piece, they might just hire somebody they know. Now, often that's a good thing. You may know somebody pretty well and, and you may know that they're going to be a good fit in your organization. But often they just have it in their head that they need a sales rep or an admin or a customer service rep. And the definition of that and what it means and some idea of what they want the person to do. But it's not completely thought out. And thinking this piece through with some of the tools and some of the ideas that I've shared with you today is the key to making a good hire and having a good experience for you and your employees when that new hire comes to work. So start out by defining what you need and what you want and then begin your search for it. We talked about 
how you know what to look for, and how words and terms can be used in different ways. So what an admin is to you might be a secretary or an executive assistant to somebody else. You need to choose your terms carefully. You need to make sure that you're using words that are common in your industry, words that your candidates are going to respond to when they see them in your advertisement or your posting. You want to make sure that skills and tasks aren't confused because the skill that you have is different than the task you'll be doing. So the key is to difficult to do. You want to make sure that you are in a position that will be rich with things to do and tasks and responsibilities. It's only then that you can understand the skills that are needed to be successful doing those tasks and put those skills in your ad or your posting to attract the right pool of candidates. And I recommend making your task list first. Don't put a title or a job uh, description sort of purpose on it first. Make the list of tasks and then look at it and sum it up. What's the job title based on what they're going to be doing? Most people do it backwards, and that is the the cause in many cases for a lot of misunderstandings. We also talked about that there are three types of skills. Your transferable skills, skills that are skills that you have experience in, or your knowledge-based skills, skills that you have that are educationally or course-based, and your personality-based traits or skills, which are how you assess fit. And you can define them and give examples of professions and necessary skills. So you understand what skills you think the person needs to be successful in the position. For example, if you say someone's a health care worker, well, what does that mean? What are they going to be doing? What are the tasks? If they're going to be uh, more companion-based, so they're going to be writing notes and letters or helping with uh, tasks around the house, that's a very different skill set than a home health aide who's more clinically based, and they're going to be working on maybe taking a blood pressure or making sure medications are taken appropriately or whatever. Same title, two very different skill sets. So it's important to define what you want. Remember, you can't find what you want if you don't know what it is. So personality skills, personality traits, fitting in, think culture. What are the values of your organization? What is the culture that you've created? What is it like to work for you? And what characteristics do your other employees have? It's important to get this right because this will make or break your candidate's success. If they don't fit in, they either won't stay or you won't want them to stay. So what kind of environment do you create? What's the mission of your business? What are customers like? What do they expect? Those are the kinds of things you should be asking yourself when you're formulating the type of person that you need to have fit into your organization. And remember, we said you can use personality assessments, but they're only one tool. Do not depend solely on those, but do depend on understanding what people's values are. What are the values of your organization? What are your values? What are their values and how do they align? That's for the making of a good relationship. As an example, if timeliness, promptness, delivering early, 
on your promises is a key value in your organization and you get somebody in the door who's a last minute Ike and says they work better under pressure, that is going to create a lot of stress in your organization. It is probably not a good fit. So look at values. Values are key. So I hope that this has helped you improve your hiring skills or at least get a little bit of insight into how you can improve your hiring skills. I uh, have enjoyed bringing this information to you. Again, I do a lot on hiring with my clients to help in an executive coaching kind of way then become better at it. So if that's something that you're interested in, I would love to talk with you about it. Just go out onto my website, which is www.simplesmallbusinesssolutions.com and go to the About Us page. You will see a uh, an opportunity to opt in for one of my more creative Freedom Now calls, which is a free 30-minute call we can have together to talk about some of these issues, and perhaps I can give you some additional tools or some insight into how you can become better at finding the right person for any position that you create in your business. Thanks for listening and tune in for another episode of When Opportunity Knocks. Take care.